Senior executive Volkswagen scumbags have outdone themselves again. It's like Tiffany, they had this uncanny knack of just raising the bar. A battery design deficiency in the electric Porsche Taycan, a defect which also exists in many other EVs, incidentally, has managed to destroy a cargo ship worth untold millions of bucks and sent its cargo of 500 million-ish dollars worth of glorified dub-dub-dung boxes to Davy Jones's locker. In this case, the vessel sank in three and a half kilometres of water right down to the floor of the North Atlantic Ocean near the Azores Islands, about a thousand kilometres west of Portugal. Every time there's an automotive environmental disaster, it proudly wears the V-dub badge. That is dependability of a sort right there. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. For buyers here in Australia. Website for that, <coughs> there's me. Or you can just, you know, click the card that's not there now, dude. And if your laptop catches fire while you are clicking so enthusiastically, run. Don't look back and make sure you clear your internet browsing history remotely in case you die, obviously. Felicity Ace, who sounds like a reasonably high-class adult entertainer, but is, or correction, was, up until recently, a dirty big car-carrying cargo ship about 200 metres long, carrying thousands of Volkswagens and its shitbox derivatives, Porsches, Lamborghinis, Audis, etc. Bentleys. Imagine that. You could smell that kind of abomination coming from over the horizon, depending on prevailing winds, obviously. So, Felicity Ace left Germany earlier this year and was just pleasantly chugging through the North Atlantic midwinter, slightly to the east, with its cargo dreaming the pleasant dream of endless pain and suffering which it would inflict on hapless Americans, who frankly just don't know any better, despite, well, despite that helpful 2017 news release from the US Department of Justice confirming Volkswagen's inherent criminality. I say that like it's a bad thing. And then, just like that, on the 16th of February, a fire broke out deep inside Felicity and the heat could not be extinguished. The crew were ultimately evacuated by Portuguese maritime rescue authorities. And, dude, that is the silver lining to this story, okay? Nobody died, thankfully. But subsequent attempts to control the blaze failed. Then, on about Wednesday last week, as Felicity was being towed, the mighty ship who could have been a champion pole dancer had things only worked out slightly differently inside the Matrix. It just took on a massive amount of water, lost all stability, and sank in about three and a half kilometres of Atlantic Ocean. 
Felicity is uh, you know, down there right now with 4,000-ish burnt-out cars, plus, of course, 2,000 tonnes of oil and about 2,000 tonnes of fuel on board, doubtless all later to be liberated catastrophically into the environment together with a bunch of lithium hexafluorophosphate, just the glassate cherry on the icing of this cake. Well done, Volkswagen. Again. From Dieselgate in 2015 to gassing those helpless monkeys in the name of marketing in 2018 to ruining the climate and causing a drought in Mexico with those cannons. Every time there's an automotive environmental catastrophe, Dub Dub is right there, leading the charge, making shit happen. And I do mean shit. So there is speculation as to the cause of this fire, right? And frankly, we'll probably never know. The speculation is understandably levelled at the batteries in the electric Porsches. But I think we should put the cause of the blaze to one side and look instead at the severity and the consequences of this particular conflagration and, heaven forbid, highlight the friggin' obvious which incidentally is something a media outlet that wanted advertising from Volkswagen or Porsche or Audi, etc., ever again would never do. But I will do this with joy in my friggin' heart. So we might as well start with the basics here, okay? When you turn on your electric jug to boil the water for your morning coffee every day, you might presume that there are regulations which prevent it from exploding in your face. And then later on, when you go to sleep at night, you might expect that the TV will not melt down and burn your house and you to ashes as you dream pleasantly of your Tiffany. Because of regulations, right? But unfortunately, when it comes to somewhat new technology, the technology comes first and a few disasters have to happen in order for the slow process of regulation to be implemented. And then you've always got highly funded corporate bean counter assholes attempting to subvert the whole system of environmental and consumer protection and safety regulation just to save a cent here and there and thus elevate the stock price. This happens. Just look at those A-grade assholes from Boeing and the monstrous wickedness surrounding their conduct in respect of the 737 MAX if you want to see that process in action and why it is so emphatically disgraceful. The batteries in electric cars are properly dangerous things and there is a lot of altruism out there but we should not forget this core concept. Not that 70 litres of gasoline is in any way a benign thing to be carrying around. We are just more practised at dealing with that stuff safely. You've got everything you need for a properly substantial disaster in an EV. Lots of stored energy, many, many potential failure modes, and there's essentially nothing you can do when you become aware 
of a problem, okay? The so-called battery in a modern EV is actually a sealed aluminium enclosure, okay? It's structural. It contains individual cells, usually 3.6 volts a piece, and they're wired up into sub-assemblies to produce modules, and the modules are bolted together into an array inside the enclosure, and that array is where the electricity, usually about 400 volts or so for tractive effort, actually comes from. So if there's a problem, like, for example, an external fire, Say your garage catches fire one night and your EV is inside it. No fault of the EV. That's still bad, dude. If there's a crash, like not your fault, some asshole just T-bones you, comes straight through a red light, whatever, not your fault. Mechanical damage is caused to the battery, leading to a short circuit internally. That's bad. If there's a manufacturing defect like contamination in the materials or a defect in the wiring or a loose bolt or a bit of swarf that doesn't get picked up, over-tightened bolt that fatigues to the crapper in three years or something, some minor component just fails, a spot weld, whatever. That's all bad. If just one cell, and there are hundreds in your average EV battery, if just one cell gets sufficiently overcharged or discharged or charges too quickly, or if the battery cooling system fails in some way at a fast charger, perhaps, that's all bad. So let's define bad, shall we? Lithium-ion batteries are susceptible to a literally red-hot phenomenon known as a thermal runaway. And this is a really neat science-y concept if you don't think about the consequences, right? Kind of like Chernobyl 36 years ago. What happens is when a cell overheats from any of these potential root causes, many of which may not be the fault of the vehicle itself, the heat generated inside the cell quickly gets to the point where it overwhelms the capacity of the adjacent environment to absorb it. Like the adjacent environment just can't absorb any more heat, right? So the temperature increase gets exponential. And this causes a bunch of catastrophic problems ultimately, right? The pressure inside the cell spikes. It can rupture and liberate violent, potentially dangerous projectiles. Note that a campfire or your log fire at home or your oven or a barbecue, things of this nature don't behave like that. These things never get to a point where the environment cannot absorb the heat generated. What I'm saying is, if your EV catches fire one day, dude, get everyone out and as far away as possible, as quickly as possible. And do not return to the vehicle, even if the fire appears to calm down. And full ballistic PPE for the firefighters, if you don't mind. That one cell that shits the bed, okay? The heat jumps quickly to the adjacent cells and the process repeats. The electrolyte inside the cells decomposes exothermically, and that is, it generates its own heat, right? And it liberates oxygen gas in the process by decomposing. So this is a fire that you cannot fight by depriving it of oxygen because it's manufacturing its own oxygen gas as it burns, right? 
you have to cool this thing down. And this process is worse than the domino effect because in the domino effect, obviously, one domino typically knocks over only one additional domino in a nice long conga line repeat, okay? This process in the battery is like one domino knocks over two dominoes and those two knock over two each for four and by the time you've gone through 20 iterations of this process, you have knocked over roughly one million dominoes in the same time as the normal domino effect took to knock over 20 dominoes. It's that kind of thermal event. It really does have the hots for what's in the box with the dots, in other words. Once a cell gets quickly consumed, the module follows, then the whole battery gets consumed, that's how this works. The car quickly becomes a Roman candle, the fire jumps from vehicle to vehicle if they are sufficiently proximal to one another. It's so severe, ultimately, that it throws a 200 metre long ship that's probably 10 friggin' stories high and designed to support thousands of tonnes of cargo and survive the immense bending and torsional stresses of huge rolling seas in storms for friggin' decades with walls inches thick, it's thrown that to the bottom of the ocean, ultimately. One tiny cell manages all that, like, hashtag, neat trick. You cannot fight a fire like this in practice, right? Certainly not on a friggin' ship. Water is an awesome thermal shock absorber, and I appreciate that the ship is surrounded by it, but the battery in an EV is encased in a waterproof box. So intervening early with water is absolutely out of the question. And then, when you've got a full-fledged maritime disaster on your hands with helicopter crews out there risking their lives to save 22 people on board, the amount of water you'd need to fight the fire by chilling it out to take the heat out of the system, well, that would exceed what the vessel can withstand taking on from a stability viewpoint. And please don't take my word for any of this. You can Google William Walker from NASA. He's the propeller head who is tasked with research into thermal runaway prevention in batteries for the space agency. Victoria Hutchison from the US National Fire Prevention Association is also pretty interesting on this point, specifically in regard to the Felicity ACE, if you want to know more about that. The point I'm making here is the risk of a thermal runaway is known. It's known. And you know that this risk is known, or at least you have been impacted by this knowledge because you have flown in a commercial jet. Airlines understand the risk of battery thermal runaway in flight. They take it quite seriously. According to Qantas, whose motto should be, dude, we don't crash, but it's not, obviously, because they lack the communicational cojones to put a motto such as that in place. The flight limit for batteries is 160 watt hours of energy. This is a big deal for video crews with V-mount batteries in particular, okay? No more than two spares can be carried per passenger in the 100 watt hour to 160 watt hour 
battery capacity range. Lithium-ion batteries, and let's not forget there's one in your phone, in your tablet, your earbuds, your smartwatch, your laptop, et friggin' cetera, they need to be carry-on only. You must not check them in, okay? The terminals must be taped so that they can't be short-circuited on the bigger ones, right? If you're carrying a battery loose onto a plane, tape the frigging terminals just so they can't short-circuit against something metallic inside your bag. You've got to declare the batteries on check-in as well. Irrespective of their size, I think it's 20 batteries per passenger, which is the maximum number allowed. So in theory, if you look at the regulations, you could board a plane with 18 98-watt-hour batteries and two 158-watt-hour batteries for roughly two kilowatt-hours in total, which is an immense amount of energy. But I think in practice, you'd be over the check-in baggage mass limit if you attempted to do that, which is probably a good thing. Airlines are properly shit-scared about onboard thermal runaways from lithium-ion batteries. And frankly, I'm quite pleased that they take this seriously. Pro tip, okay, if you are on a plane and someone's handbag starts smoking, catches fire, whatever, hands down, it's a battery having a thermal runaway. What you've got to do is drag the bag to the galley, empty it on the floor, find the battery, use water, as much of it as you can access, submerge that mother-loving battery that's trying to kill you all. And the aim here is to keep it cool. In this case, electricity and water they do mix. You've got to use water to absorb the heat, okay? Get the battery in as big a container of water as you can, and I'd suggest that the stainless steel sink in the galley is looking pretty good for this. And you've got to leave it there even after it quote-unquote goes out, all right? That's because batteries have this nasty habit of bursting into flame again just when you think you've got it all under control because there's still a lot of energy in there, okay? So there's a cheery thought, I suppose, for the remaining six hours to Dubai or whatever. You can carry a 160-watt-hour battery on board a plane, okay? That's allowed. Probably not a great idea, but allowed. But the battery in a Taycan is roughly 500 or 600 times more energy than that, depending on the specific model. And perversely, I am completely unaware of any mandated EV battery thermal runaway prevention standard. I think car makers are just putting batteries together, making it all up and hoping for the best out there in service. So you take an owning wanker, you get to be Volkswagen's lab rat on this. Enjoy the experience, dude. Hoping for the best, okay? Which I suspect manufacturers are all doing with their designs. The best is unlikely to be forthcoming, I'd suggest, when you've got bean counter assholes up on a pedestal at the likes of Volkswagen, potentially doing a Boeing, whose only job is to cut costs like this is some deleted scene from the friggin' Texas Chainsaw Massacre. These people are the shot callers in modern car companies like Volkswagen, and they do not give a flying fuck about your safety, disgracefully. 
I'm also unaware of any systematic safety procedures for the shipping of shitbox take-ans or any other EVs. And pretty clearly, Exhibit A for the prosecution of the case that these standards and procedures are either inadequate or do not exist at all is the Felicity Ace, currently sitting on the floor of the Atlantic underneath three and a half kilometres of ocean, waiting patiently to belch its sea of toxic shit into the ocean. What's the bet that all the shitbox taycans were parked together on board, door handle to frigging door handle? Because a minimum safe separation for shipping would cost a lot more. Am I right? And Volkswagen is, of course, enthusiastically not commenting on this disaster. Any statements they have made orbit striving to get replacement shit heaps into the hands of eager customers. As if the risk to rescuers and crew and the environmental catastrophe simply does not exist. Just to be clear on this, okay, I'm not suggesting with any certainty that a Taycan just spontaneously shat itself mid-voyage. Like, it might have, certainly, but we'll never know. But while any fire could have started the problem, the presence of those Taycans made that fire much, much worse. And I'd suggest that three things are certain. Number one, a fire occurred for some reason, and the severity of that fire was much greater than the crew or anyone else was equipped to deal with. Hard to argue with that, I think. Number two, whatever systematic fire suppression systems and procedures were in place, they failed, and they failed catastrophically. And finally, number three, the cause of that unprecedented fire severity was the thermal runaway effect of the EV batteries in those electric Taycans. There is no other reasonable conclusion. And back in the domain of speculation, right, one tiny 3.6 volt cell, which you could hold easily in your hand, which was probably made in China for a couple of bucks from the lowest tenderer who got the whole Volkswagen contract, that tiny cell could have caused close to $1 billion in damage, not including the stark environmental cost of this disaster. And I haven't heard anyone yet call for better safety standards for EV batteries, specifically a mandated thermal runaway protection standard. I'd be surprised if there was a thermal runaway resistance FMVSS or UNECE regulation, and sure as shit there's no ADR on this because Australia. The only thing we can count on, I think, is the North Star for this kind of thing. Volkswagen, dudes, you've done it again. <laughs>